Hello and welcome to The Stinger, a superfan's guide to the latest in Marvel, Star Wars, and other nerd entertainment. Joining me on today's episode, they just finally got down to the bottom of who exactly Sauron is. It's Trent Neely and Joseph Sneed. How are we doing, guys? Uh, I'm doing great, you know. Hashtag Elrond and Durin forever. Um, and and that, that's my main takeaway from this show. But I'm excited to talk about more with, with y'all. Pay no attention to the sketchy Southlander behind the curtain. Uh, he's <laughs> definitely not Sauron. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad to talk about this. I hadn't really been able to do much. Just a couple guys at work, but that's about it. You know, that's a that's an excellent point. I haven't either. And uh, I feel like maybe because of the absolute glut of of shows and movies that are out right now, I, I don't know too many other people that are watching this show that I that I would like regularly talk about it with. So it's great to be in company with you all right now to to finally get my thoughts out there in the open. Um, so we're here to do it. If you are, uh, if you have been tapped into Rings of Power all the way through, obviously we're getting this episode out a little bit after uh, the finale aired. So you've had time to catch up. Um, I will put it out there. This is going to be a spoiler intense conversation. So if you haven't seen all of season one of Rings of Power, then please finish it and then you can come back and listen to our lovely conversation about it another time. Um as always, thank you all for joining us on today's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rate and review. And guys, we're here. We're ready. Mount Doom is boiling. Our it's it, This podcast is equivalent to Mount Doom, just boiling with hot takes ready to burst and overflow. We have all seen season one of Rings of power and i've been waiting because this quote aired in the last stretch of episodes that we're going to cover today i've been waiting to say this for a very long time enough with the quail sauce give me the meat and give it to me raw yes durin's the best durin is hands down the best character in this first season i don't know if it's going to stay that way for the show's run but hands down like best character I couldn't agree more. So in the spirit of Durin, let's get to the meat of these four episodes. Today, we are going to be talking about episodes five through eight. Uh, so going all the way through the second half of the season to the to the conclusion. Um, so as always, let's gather our things, slip on our Jedi robes and head into the council chamber to discuss uh, what we what we loved or didn't love about season one of the Rings of Power. Okay. Guys, first off, first things first, we're not going to go episode by episode just yet. I want you to give me your most generic review, brief review of season one of the Rings of Power. Uh, Yeah, I think right off the bat, it's going to be repetitive from our last conversations. But on a technical level, this show is incredible. Um, I don't think anybody could doubt the craftsmanship of the cinematography, the music, the costume designs. Um, but I do think it bears repeating that it really is impressive, just the the detail that went into this show. Um, I think all the all the performances are super um, solid. Um, every actor, I think, understands 
for the most part, the spirit of what Tolkien created and the spirit of Middle-earth. And I think that it's a it's a really daunting world to take on. And I think they all did it well. Um, and I was overall invested in most of the plot threads going on in this show. Um, I, th- I think there's a couple things that could have not been changed or done differently, but just sped up or sp- the the pacing of certain storylines could have been handled better. And I'll, and I'll talk about that more in spoilers. But overall... Um, yeah, really enjoyed this show week to week. So excited to be back in Middle Earth, and I'm excited to continue with this show for however many seasons we get. Five, <laughs> probably. That yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's confirmed to be five. Oh, they did. Oh, oh. they did. I just, I just the, the the phrase I kept hearing was Amazon made a multi year commitment, and I didn't know if that meant like five or ten. But yeah, okay, good. I actually love five. So we're saying five seasons total. Yeah. All right. I'm down with that. That's cool. All right, Joseph, give me your give me your most generic review uh, of of Rings of Power. Well, you know the scene in the Last Jedi when uh, they're or when Kylo Ren thinks he's killing Luke Skywalker and just is screaming more <laughs> at the uh, the First Order. <laughs> yes, guys. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Uh, she Hulk twerking, Jeff <laughs> Kylo Ren screaming more. Uh, I had a really good time with it. Like Trent, I uh, had some problems with some of the storylines, but overall I had a great time. It was something I always looked forward to every week. Uh, some of the Marvel shows had started feeling like chores, um, <laughs> but I was always like, yes, it's Rings of Power Day. Um, so, yeah, I had a great time with it. Uh, Trent talked a lot about the technical aspect of the show, so I'll leave that to him. Uh, one of my favorite parts relating to the technical aspect of the show, but not quite in there, uh, was the music of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm bumping uh, Numenor's soundtrack pretty regularly. Uh, I think I think that one is my favorite of, uh, of the new ones. The kind of the Numenorian theme that you hear whenever Elendil is like doing awesome stuff or uh, which is basically whenever Elendil's on the screen. Uh, so yeah, I had a great time with it. Looking forward to more. Yeah, I also great track, great track for you to pick out as your uh, is your favorite of the soundtrack because I think it's incredible. Um, yeah, if I had to give mine, I think I am I'm gonna sound very similar to you two here. Uh, I think a a refreshing, uh, I guess reentrance into the world of Tolkien, right? Because so much of what we're watching on Disney Plus um, throughout the past year and a half, now that we're getting more TV shows, uh, are so so much of it is like uh, can kind of feel the same sometimes. This show felt so different, one because of a different genre and fantasy, and just the scope and the money they poured into it. Right, you could tell like this was an expensive show to make. It looked beautiful, so I I loved it for that because I think it feels different than anything else I was watching. Um, I think I feel like one of you mentioned it on the, one of the last podcasts we did about this show was uh, that this, this season felt more like a season zero than it felt like a season one. Uh, There was so much setup, And I think that's a good thing and a bad thing. I think, I think there were times where it felt like uh, the, the season season one was, extremely slow um and then it all just kind of instantly picked up at the end 
Uh, but then there's other things that I'm like, I'm glad I got to spend this much time investing in these characters um, because now it, it set them up for a really fun av- adventure through the rest of the, you know, duration of the show. So um, I have I have mixed feelings about it, but I think overall I'm really glad that we got this show and I'm excited for what they have coming in the future. That uh, th- those are the more general thoughts. Joseph, I specifically I'm I'm. You know, I got I was thinking about thinking about this actually. This is fun. We haven't really had this yet on the podcast yet, but I think I have a nickname for you. Um I can I call you Lord of the Lore? I mean, if you really want to, I, I won't say no to it. <laughs> <laughs> All I'll, right, uh, so I'll accept it. The, the reason I want to call Joseph Lord of the Lore is because I mean, how many times on this podcast have we relied on you to give us the like almost scripture like knowledge of of the context behind whatever we're watching? And so for you as being someone with that kind of knowledge about Tolkien and about Lord of the Rings, I, I feel like some of the some of the the noise I've heard around the show is that it's almost easier for a casual Lord of the Rings fan to get into. Uh, and that some of the more hardcore fans were were grappling with it a little bit more. So for you, as someone that is really in this world, do you think that to be true? Yeah, I think so. I think they play with the expectations some. Um, Sauron being revealed is very different than how it happened so far. Mm. Um, Galadriel, her journey is very different. Uh, Brimbor's stuff is very different. A lot of the characters seem to have some different motivations. Some of them are played perfect. Like, like Numenor so far seems to be pretty good. That's probably why it's my favorite of the stories, I think. Um, they're going to get into some more political stuff with, with Numenor in the next few seasons with, uh, Farazan and and Muriel that I think they they were talking after the showrunners were talking after and they said season two is going to be kind of more the canon events storyline. Um, some of my favorite parts of the show were the the original parts of it though. I liked uh, I ended up liking Adar a lot. Yeah, um, Arondir was pretty good don't care for most of the Southlanders. Um, the they're, they're doing something with the stranger and I, we can talk about that later. I guess when we look at season two, they're doing uh-huh. stuff with the stranger to hint at who he is. And then I think they're going to swerve. Um, Interesting. I think, I think it kind of fits in though of, um, they make more changes than than the Peter Jackson trilogy did, but I think if you can get past it, it's not a bad show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're gonna move forward and do some more things, kind of by the book. But yeah, in season one, um, <laughs> Tolkien and his son are probably rolling in their graves right now <laughs> uh, at, at what they've done. Um, oh no. I, I mean, I like the show, uh, and I, I liked some of the things they were doing. 
they took the the Elrond and Durin storyline, which was one of the most compelling ones, and really that was a storyline that should have been given to Celebrimbor mm-hmm. and another dwarf. Uh, because there is another dwarf in the books that Celebrimbor gets really close to. Uh, you know the um, the doors of Durin in uh, yep. in Fellowship of the Ring. Well, you know Celebrimbor builds those. So uh, and and him and Moria or Khazad Doom, whatever, it's the same thing. They they get really close. So I think there's a lot of storylines that. I think would have been better served for like the literature if they'd been assigned to different characters. Um, I think Galadriel's story was really good, but it probably could have been kind of morphed into an Elrond story because Elrond has the connection with Numenor because of uh, Elros and Erendil, mm-hmm. um, his uncle and father. So I think they could have done that. Uh, they're really hammering the Harfoots for some reason. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, yeah. We we need to talk about that at some point. The the white robed ladies that I don't even know what their purpose was. <laughs> um, yeah. There's there's a lot of things that I think more casual fans would get down with. But I mean, the first season was good, and I think. I've got some stuff written down here that I think we're going to get in season two that I think are going to kind of steer it back to where it needs to be. But yeah, calling it a season zero is probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that lines up with what a lot of, I think the hardcore token fans, what you were saying, Joseph is not, maybe not the specifics, but uh, there are a lot of departures from, from the source material. Um, You know, something else that this show, I think, (laughs) laid out for us in the promotion material and then just the interviews by the creators is we knew going in, this was going to be a mystery to find out who Sauron is um, that we weren't going to know who it was from the start. So uh, there is an element of mystery. Did, did y'all feel surprised by either Sauron's reveal and we can get into spoilers now um, or or anything, any other like kind of hidden elements of the show? Did you guys feel like this show was able to surprise you? Well, no. Joseph called it like the minute Halbron showed up on the boat. He was like, exactly. that's Sauron. Like, <laughs> I literally almost like it took everything I had not to text you guys when I was watching the final episode. And he like, ca- like it's that camera angle of like Kel Brimnor just working with the rings. And then like Halbron just slides into the background. Lur- and I was like, oh, there <laughs> yes, it is. Lurking so hard, yeah. Um, so I wasn't surprised by that, although I was a little bit slower on the uptake than Joseph. It wasn't until he utterly like pwned those Numenorian Smiths that I was like, "Oh, you're you're Sauron for sure." Um, um, in terms of the other surprises, um, I I was not ready for what they did with Isildur, like just just vanishing at the end of the season. I was like, "Oh, he's just gone." Like, um, so so that's pretty interesting. Um. And and the the stuff with the stranger, I think I think they're going to do I think, Joseph, you alluded to this. I think they're going to do another twist because I think they're trying to get us to think that it's Gandalf. And I think they might reveal that it's Saruman is actually who that is, is what is what I think. Oh, I I, Joseph knows and he's not telling us. Right. I I feel like that's what's happening here. I mean, I have my own theory about the stranger that. 
is not what Trent's theory is. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, there wasn't much that I was like shocked by in the story. The Isildur thing was like, is more of a, huh, that's interesting to me than a, like a shock. Cause I mean, we, you guys don't know all the details, but I mean, you know that Isildur lives. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. We know he's I mean, not if, dead. If, if they were going to say Isildur is dead, I'd be like, all right, deuces show. There's no reason to watch <laughs> you. <anymore." laughs> right. Yeah. That'd I be mean, I think everybody problem. would. And, they, and that's why it would never happen that way. Probably, I guess probably the most shocking thing to me was Muriel getting blinded. But I mean, even even that's not like a like a big shock twist. That's kind of like, oh well, it's just a little wrinkle. Yeah, it's more a wrinkle. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see a sealed door. They're what they're doing is. Um, remember that uh, Elendil set free his horse. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure they're just going to do the Aragorn thing, where the horse goes and finds him and takes like almost dead Isildur, and he goes and finds the other um, Numenorians and Southlanders on the coast. That's pretty much what I think is going to happen. Um, that makes sense. And then with the stranger, they're like at the beginning of the episode, it's like, "Hello, Sauron," and I'm like, "Nope, not Sauron." <laughs> Um, and then they figured out and they're like, oh crap, that's not Sauron, it's the <laughs> East Star. And then it's like, yep, you guys are screwed. Um, yeah, that, that was pretty funny to watch that, watch that whole se- sequence play out. And we get to, we could talk about that more later in the specifics of episode eight. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really feel shocked by anything. Yeah. All right, we mentioned it a little bit already before we get into the this will be my last question before we get into the the episode dives, but what do you what are your favorite characters? Like maybe give me your like top 2 or 3 favorite characters from the show cuz it introduced a lot to us. Um I think that was one of the things that maybe surprised me the most was how much uh time we spent with such a large cast. Yeah, I think I I said it before and I'll say it again. Durin's number one. I, and I like it's not just because he's charming and fun, but I, I genuinely think that his arc was the one that was the most compelling for me just in this season alone. Obviously, we don't know where every character's going and they could go in some really cool directions. But from that alone, it's Durin. Um, Galadriel was probably number two. I really liked what they did with her this season. And then um, Elendil is number three because mm. Elendil is just like he brings that like Aragorn energy that I was missing from like the original trilogy. So I'm like, yeah, you just seem like a upstanding dude trying to do good stuff most of the time. So, so yeah, those are my top three. Okay. My, uh, my number one is Elendil. Um, really enjoyed him. I think because of what he's going to have to do in the future of the series, they set him up really well as a very strong character. Um, but also with some cracks in his armor, we see him kind of breaking down a little bit when he's realizing that Isildur is, quote, dead. You know, I mean, we, we know he's not dead. But as far as Elendil is concerned, he's dead. Uh, so Elendil is, is number one for me. Can't wait to see the, the future king of Gondor. Um, oh, stuff going. wait, is that who he is? Yeah. Oh, man. I... <laughs> That one, that one went over my head. <laughs> well, well, it it's complicated, but Elendil, Isildur, 
And another character that we can talk about a little bit later in the episode that I think is coming and has been mentioned a little bit, uh, they go and uh, create Gondor. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, Elendil is number one for me. I think I'm going to give number two to Elrond. Okay, yeah. Uh, I was really digging Elrond. I thought he was a great character, a lot of fun to be around. He was kind of he kind of easygoing. He, he wasn't as much like serious Elrond from the uh, from the movies, which I think was a good difference because uh, he's a lot younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably f- third man. I kind of liked Halbrand a lot as. Uh, okay, I was as, wondering as, if you were going to say Sauron. <laughs> and, and Trent, that's that's not to to crap on Durin. Uh, <laughs> Durin would make my top five because I think Galadriel would probably go at four. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll go Elendil, Elrond, and Halbrand, Sauron, Anatar, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, uh, I um. For me, I think it goes one Galadriel. I think by the end, I was really all in on her character. I think I think it took a little while for me to get there, but um, you know her. We knew all along that she was on a revenge tour, and usually those don't like end really well for for main characters when their soul, uh, I guess uh, motivation is is revenge. Uh, she was saying it was other things, but like, let's be real. She was trying to, she was trying to get even. Um, and I feel like where she's heading in season two, I'm all in, I'm all in on her arc. Uh, I got to go during number two. Cause I mean, I just smile every time he's on screen. He's, he's incredible. I, I, I really think that he should have had more time on screen because I think there is a, there's a needed humor that the show gets by having him there. But also, I mean like him and Elrond's relationship is one of the best. They, they, they're the best dynamic. They're the Jordan and Pippin of the show, in my opinion. So, I mean, like I, I, I just want more, more Durin. And then I, I got to go around deer number three. I felt like he got a lot of screen time early in the season and then it started to dwindle. And I kind of, kind of miss seeing him uh, in the end that the last couple episodes, he's not there as much, but I feel like I know he's a, he's a warrior. If he's on screen, I know we're probably going to get some dope battle scenes. Um, and to me, that's like that's what really like growing up watching Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings really grabbed my attention with the spectacle of their of their uh, fighting choreography. Like watching Legolas, watching a Ron Deer kind of reminds me of watching Legolas do his thing in the in the Lord of the Rings movie. So I, I think he's Ron Deer's up there for me. Um, but with that, I I want to get into the details of this. Let's so we're gonna we're gonna rewind a little bit, and we're gonna we're gonna start in episode five because the last time you heard from us, we we had just recapped episode four, um, episode five, which is titled "Partings," um, and in this episode, the we're we're really gonna stick to the main events of what happens in these episodes since there's so many. Uh, so the so the big things that happen here in episode five is uh, the Numenorians are preparing to go to Middle Earth. It has been Galadriel's main goal to convince both the Numenorians and Halbrand to join her 
to head to Middle Earth because she believes that is where the looming threat is is gaining traction. Um, and so much of this episode are kind of side conversations between amongst the, the Numenorians about whether to go or not and, and how to go and get there. Um, and then we also learn... Well, actually, you know, before we move on to that, let, let's let's start there. Um, at this point of the season, just getting the Numenorians, Galadriel, and Halbrand to Middle-Earth, uh, this felt like, to me, a jumping-off point. We had been kind of stuck in the same pattern of events for a while, and finally we're, we're going to head to Middle-Earth. So, so how did this moment come across for you? Yeah, I agree. It was it was the thing of like we were like, okay, we got Nori hanging out with the stranger and the Harfoots. We got, you know, things happening in um the mines with the dwarves, and then we have them just sort of like not going anywhere with uh Numenor. So yeah, I really like that they were like, No, we're we're officially going to Middle Earth. Um but I but I like that it's not like the simple thing of like Galadriel just wins everybody over and they go, right? Because there's the the advisor guy like Faison, Farzon, I forget how to pronounce his name. Um, but he's basically like, nah, like I know some people don't want to do this war thing, but I just want to do it to increase Numenorean like reach in middle earth. I'm like that. That's a, that's a realistic political he's thing. That would he's probably, a slimy guy. It would probably happen. So, so yeah, I, well, right. I appreciated that from a character standpoint for sure. You guys, you guys don't know how slimy yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do we think that's a good point? Like, do we, do we expect to see more of, uh, What's his name? Farazan? Is that is that how you pronounce it, Joseph? Farazan. Farazan. Okay. All right. Do we expect to see more of him? Season two. What do we think? Yes. Wait. Yes. 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 <laughs> All right. I'm picking up that this dude's important. All right. So he's important. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I did find I because I felt like his inclusion in this part of the story. Um, before this point, I was like, eh, I don't like this guy could be here or not be here. I don't care. But I really like that's that scene where he's talking with his son about gaining influence in middle earth i'm like oh this this is shady guy he's a villain that no one else really realizes is a villain yet i feel like and i and i kind of like that yes he was perfect it was great joseph how about how did uh how did you like this uh point where we we take off to middle earth yeah, I mean, Elendil and Galadriel make me want to run through a wall. So, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm, right. I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah. yeah I, I had a great time. And, and it was kind of funny seeing Galadriel, like, beat up the Numenorians in the middle of the Oh, street. my gosh. Yes. She was like, if you get, like, a, a solid hit on me, you're automatically a lieutenant or something. <laughs> and uh, it's like 10 of them attack her at the same time. And she's just, like, gracefully spinning out of the way and just smacking them it was epic i that fight that those little like 1v1s or 10v1s were fantastic where she i mean she was just oh. dancing all over them yeah and we we had the little joke at the end i think it was in this episode when uh elendio gives isildur the like the broom and says go clean up the horse poop yes oh my gosh yeah that was good that was real good um all right that's what's going on in Numenor and then in Linden, uh Elrond returns with Durin to meet King Gilgalad. Um, uh, but things don't really go over well. And and by the end of the conversation, um Elrond, you know, he eventually confirms Mithril mining operations and in, in um 
Elrond's going to return with Durin back to Casa Doom to try and convince King Durin to aid the elves. And, and that's because uh, Gilgalad reveals to Elrond that he knows of the existence of Mithril and that he wants to use it to reignite the Adar so that the elves can remain in Middle-earth. So it's kind of like the elves are dying out because of this. Now Elrond's got to go convince King Durin to get the Mithril over to the elves. What do, what do we think of this plot point? Yeah, I think it. I think it's interesting that we're introduced to the elves, you know, from the Lord of the Rings movies, and then the beginning of this show is like these almost infallible, like everything's going smooth for them all the time, and then this idea of like, hey, they won't be able to stay on Middle Earth much longer. Um, I think that's great. No, this plotline had like two of my favorite moments ever, both from Durin, where like he totally yes. just lies about like this elven table that they have. And he's like, actually, this is for like our funeral stuff. And so we need to bring it back to its resting place. And then at the end, Elrond's like, you made that up, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, Disa wanted a dining room table. Like, um, and then there's the great part where Elrond's like, the fate of all elves is in your hand. And Durin makes him say it like three times um, before he's like, okay, fine. I'll go talk to my dad with you. If I have to. <laughs> yeah. Joseph, what were, what were your thoughts about this? Uh, this key point because this also gave us the i remember us texting about it the kind of like flashback sequence of a certain elf fighting a balrog so what what did uh what did you think of this whole like kind of like deep dive into the lore in the middle of, of in the middle of it as well that was brand new that uh was not from oh that's uh, right yeah uh tolkien but it was interesting and i liked how Elrond was like, why do you care about this story? It's apocryphal. And I was like, hey, that's a cool word. I know what that means. And uh, they start going on about it. And then I saw a theory that was like, hey, I think this elf is the one fighting it. And I was like, oh, that would be awesome. And uh, so I thought that was a cool little nugget that they made up for it. Uh, that may have been... Durin's Bane, the Balrog underneath Khazad-dûm, maybe? I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, he's down there with the Mithril. We saw him. Right. Um, I also liked how, <clears throat> yes, we're supposed to be with Prince Durin. But, I mean, King Durin made some good points. He was like, hey, I don't really trust the elves. They're kind of sneaky. Yeah. And if they're starting to fade then i mean that's kind of how it goes tough stuff <laughs> and uh, but but i liked how they didn't make him like mustache twirling evil he was like man i'm sorry son but yeah it's not happening yeah it's a way more um there's 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 a real emotional connection between prince and king durin and we'll we'll get to that uh, in a future episode, but I agree they handled his character very well. Um, with yeah, his Disa, where we leave off with Disa, she's kind of going like Lady Macbeth a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I love Disa. I for, I forgot to mention her in my favorite characters. She's she's fantastic. Yeah, she's she's definitely like top ten. Yes, yes. for sure, for oh, sure, easily. Um, <laughs> the other big thing that happens in episode five is Theo showing a Rondir the sword who then realizes that it is a key to turning the Southlands into Sauron's realm. And this is really just like a nugget for what's to come in the next episode. 
But this is also where half of the Southlanders go flee to join Adar uh, and join his forces with the orcs. Um, so there's a split between the Southlanders. And then that brings us in to episode six, which is titled Udun. And this is just the the battle scene episode. I mean, literally, it is mm-hmm. one giant battle the entire way through. Uh, it is nonstop action from start to finish. Um, I I got to be honest. I this might th- I I don't think this is the same for everybody. But this might be my favorite episode out of the bunch. If if not my favorite, one of one of my favorites for sure. How did y'all feel about this episode? No, I agree. This is this is a top three episode for sure, bare minimum. Um, yeah, no, the action's here really solid. There's there's the gray moment where Aron Deer like deconstructs the whole tower to fall on the orcs. Oh there's, yes, there's I like this, about that. there's the, this just incredible little moment where like when the Numenorians and Galadriel show up, like somebody launches an arrow at Galadriel and she like hangs off her horse for like half a second and then chops somebody with a sword. And it's just like, oh yeah, that's Amazing. why she's better than like everyone else at this whole fighting thing. <laughs> um, and then we get some great backstory for Adar at the very end that I thought was very cool. And this is where my Sauron suspicions for Hallbrand really crept up. Um, no, episode six is super solid all the way around. What's the what's the backstory to Adar? Where he that reveals that he's a he's an elf that was corrupted by Morgoth. Oh, yes, yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I liked how they were like. Hey, you hate orcs? Well, guess what? You should feel sorry for them. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> honestly, and, yeah, uh, that's about what they said. Yeah, Adar was one of the most interesting characters this season because you're like, this guy is definitely evil, mm-hmm. but I kind of get what he's saying. He's like... Oh. That's what makes a good villain. But yeah, a- Adar, really interesting character. Uh, there was... Potentially more about his identity that I think could be coming, but I'm not as familiar with that part of it. Um, but yeah, an orc that is, or not an orc, an elf that's corrupted by Morgoth to be this kind of almost orc thing. Uh, and then he has the orcs with him that, you know, who who knows about them. Yeah, so, so seeing how Adar kind of works and how he's like, it's strange seeing someone actually care for the orcs because I, yes. I think he, I think he genuinely does in like a really weird way care about the orcs in a way that no one else does. Cause Galadriel wants to, you know, murder all of the orcs, which, you know, they're, they're evil. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Morgoth and Sauron end up just wanting to use the orcs. Uh, but Adar's like, look guys, you just bend the knee, say we good, and live in this land of shadow and smoke, we won't bother you. Just, right. We'll just, we'll just chill out. We're not going to go after anybody. We just can't be in the sun, so we had to make the volcano blow up. <laughs> Boom. Whatever. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I think everything he told Galadriel was the truth. He's like, I sliced Sauron in half. And he's dead. So I think he he actually did destroy a physical form of Sauron. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see 
what's next for old Adar and his children? I I really liked him too. In I mean, at the end of the day, he just wants a home for him and his orcs, and that comes at the at a at a costly price for the Southlanders. Um, yeah, I I hope we get more of him in season two because I to me as of right now. I think he's a more compelling villain than Hallbrand slash Sauron is at this current moment. That's fair. I think that will change uh, because this whole season we didn't really get to explore uh, Halbrand as a villain. Uh, that is going to come in the future. But I, to me, I I really like his character and, and journey as well. Um, one, one quick thing before we move out of the Southlands in this one. I saw a theory because I was like, Okay, this episode is good. I kind of think this magic sword key thing is stupid. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I saw was a theory that... that uh, it, So it was an old... Really, it was like an old tower of Morgoth. And what it was, was that they needed the water to make... You know, to keep the volcano going. Mm-hmm. And they made the sword be like a fake legend to be like a human sacrifice thing where they would bring someone up and stab them with the sword and then turn it and make it look like the stabbing was what opened the gate. Oh, wow. So not confirmed, but I saw the theory and was like, dang, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very uh, interesting. I think we have some potential human sacrifice to uh, Morgoth coming in a few seasons. I won't say from who, but uh, yeah, there there is some there is some stuff coming. Uh, be be careful which characters you like that you that uh, don't appear in Lord of the Rings because okay. there may be there may be some unexpected fates for some of them. All right, well. Uh... That's got me a little worried because I feel like ominous. a lot of I feel like a lot of characters I like aren't in Lord of the Rings, but that's all right. Um, the Second Age is not a is not a very happy <laughs> not a pretty ending. time. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not very good. <laughs> not as bad as the First Age, but it's not great. Yeah, I this episode to me the action was phenomenal. Galadriel uh, coming in doing her thing was electric. I to me also the the relationship between Galadriel and Hallbrand. I, I I know it looks tough in hindsight now, but like you you act the, the the groundwork has been laid, and I feel like by this point in this in this episode, like their relationship is really impactful and meaningful. They are united, uh, even though they it's for different reasons and they don't really know it. They are like united together, and like literally, they wouldn't be where they're at without each other. And I think that is an important thing. We'll keep we'll keep getting to. But to me, that really stood out to me in this episode. Was like, wow, okay. Um, I, I will say that when uh, when they have Adar kind of pinpointed in that cabin shelter or whatever, and Adar like gives Halbrand a second look over and is like, where? Like, how do I know you? Essentially, I'm like, man, come on. Like at this point. We're just handing it away that this is Sauron. Like I, I, I felt like that was they tipped their hand maybe a little bit too much there with that one. I mean, it's it's a thing where I looking back and I've seen some like compilation videos where it's like 
people have argued that like the show isn't really trying to hide it that hard because like literally the first thing out of Halbrand's mouth is like looks can be deceiving and it's like Sauron oh, was the gosh. great like disguiser or whatever he's called <laughs> um yeah. deceiver um and so and so yeah like people are like he's basically saying with every other line of dialogue like hey I'm Sauron like <laughs> yeah yeah, I need to I need to find that video trend because now I'm now I'll, I'm interested. To... Yeah, I'll see if I can find it because it's it's a funny edit where somebody like anytime he gets overly angry, somebody just puts like Sauron screaming over like the edit. <laughs> and it's very Wait, funny. That's great. That's hey, amazing. Galadriel, uh, I'm I'm sorry your your brother is dead. I, I wish I knew who did that, but uh, have you guys seen the uh, the undercover? boss on snl with kylo ren yes yes oh my god so when when kylo ren writes the letter i'm sorry i killed your son <laughs> that's basically sauron he's like oh i'm sorry galadriel it wasn't personal <laughs> yeah you're right you're right honestly there's some more uh kylo ren comps with uh with this guy in particular we'll get to get to it later um except he's not kind of a crybaby Right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. With less of the privilege. Um you know, uh I there this um this episode leads into I mean it, again, it's like literally a battle the entire way through. Um and there is a lot of aftermath to deal with in episode seven. So we'll move we'll move to episode seven now. Um because I'm inter- I'm interested to th- there's a lot of there's a lot of things happening once we get to this point too because we we took a break from literally like the Harfoots Durin and Elrond like we didn't see any of them we were just focused on the Southlands at, aka Mordor in in episode six so um you know we in episode seven we see that the entire Southlands are just absolutely distraught. Uh, everything is buried in soot and ash. There's a ton of fallout, including Muriel losing her eyesight, um, and a lot of a lot of characters being separated and then having to be reunited later. Um, and then a sealdor, a sealdor who looks like he dies, but we know he's not actually dead. He's left in the rubbish of the disaster and calamity that happened in the Southlands, but we're not really sure what they're going to do with him next. Uh, Alindil is coming to grips with the fact that he is the one who pulled Galadriel out of the water um, and then allowed her to bring him and all of his Numenorean troops into this disaster in the first place. There's a lot to kind of deal with in the aftermath. We also get a Galadriel and Theo team up, which I really was not expecting in this episode. So those are kind of the main beats here in, in the aftermath of, of what just happened. So what really worked for you and kind of the uh, little bit of a pause that we get uh, that episode seven is. No, like you said, I really liked the uh, stuff with Lindell and being like, man, like I was all like pro keeping the, you know, Numenorean elf, partnership going but now it's cost me my son and i'm not sure it's worth it that was really powerful to me um and i really liked the stuff actually with galadriel and theo because like the whole show she's been like let's go fight some people like let's go like do what we need to do and you know change our destinies and that kind of thing and then theo is all feeling guilty because he gave up the sword's location in six 
Yeah. And, you know, he's like, oh, like my mom's probably dead. I want to go kill everyone and everything now. And Galadriel was <laughs> like, slow your roll, man. Like, you don't have to yeah. carry all this on your shoulders. And it's like, huh, maybe you could take your own advice, Galadriel. Um, <laughs> oh, and, and so, so, yeah, I liked that. I liked that she she's able to impart to Theo the wisdom she can take on herself. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I think I think we even see her starting to realize it and take it because she talks about you know, not fighting forever. And then she gives Theo her sword. And, um, but the part of the episode that had me like, she hope twerking. <laughs> Tell me where is Celeborn for I much desire to speak with him. She <laughs> name dropped Celeborn. And I was like losing my mind at that like he's he's here he's here and she's like he's dead and i was like nope you're wrong he's alive but since we're on the subject of Celeborn, remember i said there's a character that may have been the elf fighting the balrog on top of kaza doom mm-hmm. yes i think it might have been Celeborn. oh galadriel right. who is husband. Galadriel's husband oh yes yes yeah. yes okay yeah so yep. uh I'm back. so I'm we, back. we see we have seen Celeborn before, uh, not in this show, but in uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. Do you guys know who, which one Celeborn is? Uh, it's gonna get me because I just rewatched this like a couple months ago, and I should. It's been too long since I've watched it, so oh, no. Man, I, I I already quoted him once, but we'll do it again. Tell me where is Gandalf? I much desire to speak with him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know who you're talking about now. I didn't realize that's yeah. who that was. Yeah, he's he's chilling with uh, Galadriel in uh, Lothlorien. Oh, um, so they okay. they are married. Uh, it does make her relationship with Elrond a little weird, you know, <laughs> just kind of the way they're they're doing it because. Uh, Elrond marries their daughter. Um, <clears throat> so Galadriel is Arwen's grandma. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but yes, I am very excited to see Celeborn or as he is more maybe accurately known in some of the old lore in a different Elvish language, Teleporno. <laughs> nah, you're, you're joking. Nope. Outstanding. Tolkien nope. really ahead of his time. <laughs> Teleporno. Um, <laughs> I'm dead. I can't. Oh my! Yeah, I can't but, unhear but, that. But most most people know him as Celeborn. But the the fandoms that I've been like, where is Teleporno? Tell me where Teleporno is. I would like to see him. I also love the Italian accent that you're adding to the pronunciation of his name. Which one, Teleporno or yes, uh, yes, or tel- yes, Teleporno. <laughs> Hey, come on, guys. I want to see Teleporno. Come on, man. <laughs> that just sounds like Watto from Phantom Menace. <laughs> Only money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. I need All money. Right. I mean, I need money for Teleporno. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> What's the HBO password? <laughs> Unreal. But, oh man, yeah, we're unhinged tonight. I'm uh, I'm really excited to see him because I'm pretty sure he's not dead, or or they're gonna they're gonna give him the story of um, 
of another elf, which I wish they wouldn't because this elf gets shafted all the time. Oh, shoot. What's his name? Um, Glorfindel. I think they may give him some of Glorfindel's story, which mm. that kind of stink because he's cool. Uh, and part of his story has already been taken in the Lord of the Rings movies by Arwen, but that's beside the point. But justice <laughs> for my boy Glorfindel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I was really happy to hear about Teleporno that uh, he does exist. Um, he's safe. He's well. I don't know about that. But, he's uh, well. He if he's in Lord of the Rings, he has to be. Well. I have some theories about where he is and what happened to him. That okay. He, he may he may not be safe. He may not be alive right now. But uh, at least in the sense of alive in Middle Earth. Is this like, are we, are we about to get a multiverse situation in, in Rings of Power? Could you imagine? No, uh, that's why I think he's going to take Glorfindel's spot. Uh, okay. When, uh, so, so Glorfindel was killed after fighting like like five balrogs and beating them Uh, what a a g uh and he was sent back to middle earth after uh awakening in the halls of mandos in valinor Mm. is when elves die they they go to valinor and receive their their new body or, or something okay and uh, most of them stay there. Really, pretty much all of them say that stay there. But Glorfindel was sent back. Oh, so it could be like a Valhalla kind of kind of deal. Yeah. So I, I think. Well, it. I mean, it's it is Valhalla. Yeah. Uh, except yep. instead of like having to die in combat, basically it's like if you're an elf, you get in. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Okay. So I, I think Celeborn could be filling that role. I kind of hope he doesn't. Or he's in an old prison of uh, Morgoth because mm. he was thought the the reason Galadriel is going crazy about finishing Finrod's mission and not avenging um, Celeborn is Celeborn was lost in the wars against Morgoth, not okay. in any conflict with hunting Sauron. So as okay. far as she's concerned. Uh, Morgoth is he's he's gone he's defeated yeah uh, sentenced to the void forever until the Dagor Dagorath at the end of time um but I think uh Celeborn could fill that role interesting I'll be I'll be interested to see that to, to me that get I mean like I don't know the lore and the possibilities but just hearing about it makes me very excited for the future of this show to me, that's a that that's a very compelling storyline. If they were able to reunite Galadriel with her husband, like who she it's, always said, it's definitely going to happen because they use her ring of power to build Lothlorien. Oh, okay. It's going to be All an right. awkward conversation when she tells it, him that she almost got with Sauron. <laughs> then, I mean, <laughs> see, I, I I haven't I haven't seen her relationship with Sauron. Halbrand as romantic at any point. I think they've been. Hmm. Okay. I think I, they've been friendly, but they've both been using each other. 
yeah, oh, there, for sure. There's just that weird line where, like, he was like, when you were fighting alongside me, and he pauses, and she's like, I felt it too. And I'm like, that feels a yeah. little romantic to me. Yes. But, but, I, but I agree, it wasn't, like, hardcore. Like, I like they, they didn't go, you know, full Rise of Skywalker and be like, oh, we're going to have these yeah. guys kiss, like, at the end to confirm. No, I... Yeah, I, I, I never got the... Uh, the the romantic stuff from him because even when he does the um the i'll make you a queen thing i didn't see that as a uh as like a they get married and be a king and queen thing king and queen thing i think he's more trying to seduce her with power yeah i agree yeah. there but but I don't, I don't i never which you know different different people interpret it different ways i never saw their relationship as going romantic at any point I I think I agree with you, Trent. I think it was subtle lines like that. To me, this is so I thought I, I was getting a little bit uh like the the fans who saw Raylo as a thing, Ray, Kylo in, in the after the last Jedi, not Rise of Skywalker, but after the last Jedi. That's to me what I felt like this was. It was like they're definitely using each other. There's the little hint, though, that it could be something more than just a partnership. So, um, and, and be romantic. That's what I saw it as. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. But I I saw a little hint of that. Um, all right, let's move to a little little action with the Harfoots. Basically, the biggest thing that happens here is we see the stranger use his powers and transform a tree that looked dead after the volcanic eruption of Mount Doom, transform it into uh, life and growing uh, food and and new leaves and branches off of it. And so we know that there are powers in him that have slowly been awakening. Um, there's a whole lot of things with the strangers once we get to episode eight. But but here, what, what do we think of what do we think of this revelation? <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was cool that, that it seemed like he failed, right? And then yes. and they're like, nope, not only did he improve that tree, but he like fixed the whole grove. Um and, yeah. and I think it I think it fits in lines with you know, the sort of the the hobbits and the harfoots that they're like, Oh, this is weird and it didn't work, so like we just want to like live in peace. But then they're like, Oh dang, he actually did what he said, and now there's a creepy cult of three weird, like wizard looking people <laughs> looking for him, so I guess we better tip him off that that's coming down his way um i thought i thought that was a very logical progression for those characters i am not a fan of the harfoots <laughs> at first it was yeah, like right. man i really don't care about this then it was kind of like wow the harfoots kind of suck it's like everybody stay together no one goes off the path we love each other but if you fall behind f you have fun being dead <laughs> it, is a, it is a harsh cultural tradition that it, they have it's, it's brutal <laughs> It's a hard foot life. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, I, I, that, that's that's amazing. You know, well, why yeah, why do we it, why it, do we come it, back to why do we come back to the Harfoots? Because we spent so much time with them in episode eight. Um, I mean, we don't have to. <laughs> well, go ahead, Trey. Say what you were gonna say. I, I was just gonna say by by the time we got to episode eight, I'm like, we could have easily done all of their stuff over the course yeah. of like three episodes instead of like the eight like the, yep. like basically yeah you, you just needed a confrontation to happen and then nori to be like hey i'm gonna go with you and just wander wander middle earth like i was like oh so we don't we don't need to like get to know this clan really like no no we really don't i i completely agree with you um the the other major thing that happens in 
episode seven is we get a major conflict between Prince and King Durin during the third and during the fourth, um, where basically during the fourth comes to see that the Mithril can actually do what Elrond is saying it can do and that it can heal the elves and restore to them the um, Adar, right? Isn't that what it's called? Um, and The magic and, tree. <laughs> yes, yes. The magic tree. <laughs> Joseph took it mad. Um, uh, but essentially restore the the longevity of the elvish life that they're helping or they're hoping to restore from the mithril he sees that it works but during the fourth gets into a conflict with his father and as a result during the third strips during the fourth of his royalty and then he bans elrond and seals the mine and then we see a balrog emerge uh the little shot that we got in one of the trailers um yeah what do how do we feel about these scenes? Cause I, I felt like they were very crucial. Yeah. I thought it was great to see Duran stand up to his pops where he's like, I love you yeah. dad. And I know that you ha- like, you have to think about like the dwarven race, but like, I refuse to abandon my friend. I'm just not going to do it when I feel like when I know now that I have concrete evidence that I can help him, I'm not going to mm-hmm. just stand by. I thought that was like very like very emotional and it's very true to just sort of the themes of like friendship and loyalty that Tolkien's you know weaved throughout all of the the middle earth stories um and so, and so yeah i was like good for you for standing by your bro and standing up to yeah. dad even though that means you don't basically get to be a prince anymore like that's pretty brutal um so yeah durin's the best i liked how they built the stakes up for it cuz you're like dang this is like we know the answer that we want but it's like I get why the dwarves are like this. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, we see most of most of the dwarves that we see don't like Elrond already. It's just, you know, him and uh, Prince Durin and Disa are our friends. But there's a lot of mistrust still between the two races. And, and I like how it's played up that King Durin is like, look. Uh, we're not going to help them because they're just going to, you know, do their own thing. Uh, Prince Durin makes the the big mistake of saying, yeah, it feels like Elrond was birthed from my mother's womb. And King Durin was like, all right, well, now it's going to be like you weren't. Um, Yeah, that was a tough blow. Yeah, yeah, that was probably a mistake. But I think it goes along with with Durin the fourth, too. He's kind of a fireball sometimes. Mm -hmm. He kind of just mouths off and does things and i like that because it's kind of how we see dwarves you know we have king king Doran seems to be more reserved with age like he's grown wiser and more calm but prince Doran is still kind of in his prime like no i'm gonna just shoot from the hip and see what happens which i like that how they've made him kind of different but even with the two of them together you see these guys are kind of similar <clears throat> And there's a theme there, too. I mean, look around like you've got Durin who sees the ways of his father and realizes like, man, we should be taking advantage of this. Uh, We've got so he's he's got a lot of ambition. We see it with Nori. She sees like the, you know, the possibilities that are out there and and is young and wants to capitalize on it. While the older, uh, maybe more grizzled uh, Harfoots are like, nah, this is our way. Um, and, and even to some degree, Galadriel too, like not taking the fate that all the other elves would take after years of war and, and heading off to, uh, Valinor, but instead choosing to, to stay because she 
she feels like there's there's still work to be done. There there's a lot of connections here between these characters. Honestly, I want to see them. I want to see them interact a little bit. Uh, so you know, uh, some some of these characters we haven't got to see interact. But yeah, I I think that's a that's something the story accomplished pretty well. I think. Um, but I it's, to me, yeah, the the scene between Durin the fourth and his father that was that was heartbreaking and this is the last time we see him for the uh in in season one like what are the consequences of him no longer being prince i'm very interested to see what what where we find him and disa in season two like he he just got relegated <laughs> and, uh but he's living in the same you know dwelling as his father so i'll be interested to see where where he picks up next um and that takes us to episode eight, which is titled Alloyed. Um, and a ton happens in this episode. I mean, the biggest the biggest thing, let's just get to let's get to this right out the gate. Galadriel and Halbrand, they arrive in Region. Um, and and Halbrand is healed from his wound from the battle in the Southlands. Um, and Galadriel starts to become suspicious, right? Uh Meanwhile, our our guy Halbrand is a little too eager to help out Celebrimbor uh, figure out how to build the Rings of Power, and and is is quoting Adar to him apparently. And Galadriel finds this very fishy, and she she does some undercover research through one of her little elf scroll boys, uh, and he comes back with the the blood test, the the ancestry uh heritage for our guy Halbrand and she discovers that he is dun 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 Sauron in the flesh. What do what do we think of this build up and reveal, everybody? No, I mean like like I said, uh jo- Joseph being suspicious instantly like had my radar up and then by episode like four, I w- I was like, oh, this this dude's Sauron. But I still think the show does a great job of um of, you know, really like building up that relationship so that when he does reveal himself, you understand that it's still a gut punch for Galadriel. So I, th- I think that's the key is if, if the twist doesn't surprise you, you can still be, be captured by the emotion of the yes. moment. And I think it still works from that level if it doesn't work as a twist. Um, and, and yeah, that whole speech where I, I like that he says, he says a line or something to the effect of he's like, she asks him like, what's the difference for you between like, um, like ru- ruling, like with your authority versus controlling other people. And he's like, I don't see the difference. And he doesn't yes. say it like maliciously. He just straight up says like, I don't see a distinction. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, he no Sauron's great. I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with him in the future. Apparently the writers have said that he's going to be like a very Walter white, Tony Soprano complex evil for the rest of the seasons of the, the show. Interesting. Joseph, Joseph, how did it land with you? I was cool with it. Um, I still think the Anatar thing would have been more compelling, but it, it was all right. Uh, and Anatar maybe in the future, but uh, yeah, it was. It was interesting seeing how he gets revealed, and he's like, "Yeah, Morgoth, he wasn't great. I'll give you guys that one." Um, so I felt bad about what I did, but to get my forgiveness, I, I have to fix everything. And Sauron is obsessed with order. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's his thing. He's like, I have to fix I have to fix my problems. 
because uh, he he won't just go and apologize to the the Valar and say, you know what, I'll subject myself to your your decision of judgment. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I got to fix everything, and uh, this is how it needs to be fixed. And anyone that gets in my way is going to get moved out of the way. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's how Sauron works. Um, the- he was he was uh, like Trent was saying. He does like the old Chris Collinsworth slide in on uh, on Killer Brimbor in the um, in the forge. And I was like, it's time. And he starts being like, uh, "Hey man, can I help you with these rings?" And I was like, "Yep, that's Sauron." <laughs> and, uh, then he says uh, something along the lines of, uh, "Consider it a gift when he's yeah. helping him." And I was like, "Ooh." That's Anatar, because Anatar is the Lord of Gifts. Um, mm, okay, and so it's uh, it's interesting how it happens and how he's kind of driving Celebrimbor to do the rings, and he's like, "Hey, man, uh, I'm pretty good at forging, and uh, my my my, uh, my my forging mentor is he was really cool, you know." And everyone's like, "Ooh, it's Aule." who is the guy that created the dwarves and is like the forging. Yeah. yeah. One is like, I bet, I bet Keller Brimble would be freaking out if he knew that Aule's uh, student was here. Um, but he, he's such, he's such a good manipulator. When you yep. look back at the season, you're like, this is what Sauron is supposed to be. He's supposed to be manipulating yep. these people. He manipulates the Numenorians. Uh, he's like, Oh no. I don't want to be king, but I guess I'll go be king of the Southlands. Um, he gets stabbed or, or injured or whatever, and then he's instantly better when he gets to Eregion. Yeah. Um, it's like, wow, look at this guy. And he's walking around barefoot like, this place is so beautiful. Hey, Celebrimbor. I've got you know, some ideas. And, and that's something interesting, too, because I, I noted, like, when he is around power – and and wealth and prosperity he's like glowing like when he was yeah. on numenor it's the same as when he's here in Eregion. like he is like yo i love this place <laughs> let me let me stay here and enjoy it you know like um i i've i've i just found that interesting but i i really like i mean look for for me personally i know you guys could probably attest to this too like i i see the there's there's so many Lord of the Rings, the lore of it, Tolkien's writings connects to so many things in the real world at his at the time he was writing it. He also connects it to religions, right? For me, I've always like because of my upbringing, I've always seen the Christianity uh, and, and kind of just biblical undertones and Sauron always being the the analogy to, to Satan. Um, kind of. Yeah. He's kind like, of he's like head demon okay yeah yeah we'll say well because i guess i guess that would be more goth technically yeah. but um and then and then you have uh eru iluvatar who when sauron mentions he says uh i felt the light of the one that's eru so oh okay like middle earth god i anyways i i just see the the deceiver that he is is like so well executed in this scene where he's revealed right because did, not only did, uh, did did god really say you would die if you if you partook of the fruit of the tree 
Right. You're, you're not going to die. It'll be okay. Right. I and, and to me, like, I see uh, that that stuck out immediately to me when he when he uses like a dream sequence to to transport Galadriel to be with her brother again is like it was just it was masterful. It, it's like I, obviously this is how Sauron would would immediately react to you discovering that that he was actually Sauron, right? He's going to deceive you. He's going to try to manipulate you. He then even like runs, runs it back as Galadriel's like, wait, like you wanted to come back to your homeland and you, you had talked about all this evil you did and you wanted to make things right. And then he goes and explains like his own reaction or like he, he goes and explains his motive for that. But more importantly, like he, he goes and basically shows Galadriel, this is where I manipulated you um, throughout every like kind of step that she lays out. And I thought that was really, really well executed too. to, to me, like if you were going to do, if you're going to flip the script like this, right. And try to do a plot twist where Sauron was, was Halbrand the whole time. They immediately made him his characteristics like Sauron and it's believable when you go back throughout the rest of the season to see how he was acting because Sauron is a deceiver and that was just I think brilliantly done for me the the plot twist didn't work in the sense of I was surprised um and I was also thinking like I wonder if this show had come out 20 years ago right after Lord of the Rings or something like that if we would have noticed it because I feel like we're in the age of speculation now because of Marvel and Star Wars and all of the things that we have theories for now. I almost feel like maybe it made it a little bit easier to guess. But I, I, that's almost not that important because of, I think, how well they executed who Halbrand is as a character is actually very accurately who Sauron is as a character. Yeah, no, I agree. The only thing, the only thing I didn't understand was like, what was Halbrand's plan before Galadriel showed up? Like he was just like, that's sh- a great point. Showing on this raft. The only thing Emily Madden and I came up with was that like the the water is like a a parallel for like purgatory, and he needed Galadriel to like tag along so that he could go back to Middle Earth like physically. Like I don't know, but like it felt weird to me that I didn't know what his plan would have been had she not decided to not go to Valinor. Well, she was on the way to Valinor. Yeah. Maybe so was, so was Sauron. He try- so he was trying to get there, you think? Sauron may have been in a very dark place where the only option he felt like he had left was to go to Valinor and beg forgiveness. And then when Galadriel shows up, the wheels start turning and he says, maybe I'll be able to... Uh, to spin this a little bit. Mm, okay. Okay. I like up. that. Yeah. That adds I like up. that. Yeah. That that's a good reason. And, and I think I think season two will reveal the answer of why he was on the raft. Yeah, I think I think so too. I mean, I think we have to we have to explain that at some point. Um, also, also in this, I guess, little portion of the episode, um, Sauron flees. He flees to Mordor, but Galadriel, Elrond, and Celebrimbor. They forged the three rings of power uh, free from Sauron's influence. And then uh, Galadriel chooses not to reveal Halbrand's true identity to anyone. Um, but Elrond also finds the scroll and I feel like he's pieced it together. Right. So um, 
Joseph, I mean, how did it how did it feel for you to see the rings of power in the flesh? We finally see it. I liked the forging. Uh, I liked that Galadriel was the one that made the decision that there should be three and that uh, Halbrand could not be involved so that the rings were free from his influence. Don't really like that she didn't tell anybody (laughs) (laughs) that uh, he was Sauron. I'm like, all right, you spend this whole time trying to say, hey, everyone, Sauron's not dead yet. Sauron's not dead yet. And then you find out and you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to keep it to myself. I, yeah, do think, I, I do think Elrond figures it out. I think they oh, have yeah, that yeah. moment of so she's too. like, you need to trust me. And he's like, I don't know about this. So I don't really like that she didn't do it because she's like, if Halbrand comes back, nobody do anything with him. And Caleb Brimbor is going to be like, but I got more rings. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, Caleb Brimbor's about to go ham. He's got a lot more to make, according to that song at the end. Yep, he's got uh, 16 to make. Um, he's putting up Bill Russell numbers. Yeah, yeah, he's going to have a lot of rings. And then, of course, Sauron forges the one ring himself. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what happens to Caleb Brimbor, how it, <laughs> how it works out, you know. I don't know exactly what happens to Caliburn more. You know, I'm sure if anybody wanted to find out exactly what happens to Caliburn <laughs> more, you know, you, you might be able to find out. I bet there's a way. Uh, I bet there's a way. Uh, where his story goes. Cause uh, he's, he's not in Lord of the Rings. So that uh, is true. That much is true. So uh, lots, lots of things can, can happen. I, I don't think, his ultimate fate will be decided in season two, though. Um, okay. I think it'll be a little later. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure, at least from where I'm sitting, ah, Galadriel, you should have, like, run to Gil-Galad, even though mm-hmm. he sucks, and been like, hey, we got a problem. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, you can't, you can't, I know you messed up, but, but, but you gotta, think, there's only one way forward. You gotta open up. I think... It's explainable, though, because of Sauron's manipulation. He's like, what are the elves going to say when you're like, hey, guys, I accidentally helped Sauron, like, reachieve his power. He, like, gaslighted her into not telling everybody. So, I mean, it it makes sense, and it makes sense for her from a character perspective. I just wish she would have said, hey, guys, my bad. It's good storytelling though, because it could be again Galad like another another thing where Galadriel had she chosen to I I don't I don't know be honest with herself maybe uh, things things might go differently so so we'll see we'll we'll see season two um, and then back in Numenor Elendil and Muriel they discover that the king has passed away so they they show up and the black flags are. Had they, they've been flown and the king has died. So um, I'm sure we'll get I, I'm excited. Honestly, the Numenor plot line, I'm very excited to return to in season two. Uh, you've you've got a lot of loose ends. And then our guy, uh, Farazon, um, I think, is 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 looming in the background as well. So I think I think we got some I know I, I Joseph, I know, you know, but I I. I'm excited for that plot line for sure. Yes, political be, shenanigans are are cooking in Numenor. Oh yes, yeah. it's, it's if they do it right, 
it's going to be awesome. Oh, and, I can't, I can't wait. And, and sad. Um, we, but you know, we had, we come to expect we, that. We had the vision of uh, the uh, the the great wave overtaking Numenor. That uh, that might not be a natural disaster. Oh, oh, uh, that might be caused by by some of the actions taken in Numenor. All right. All right, you got me intrigued. Um, so, uh, th- th- and and that that is like happening. They everybody that looks into the the Palantir is like, oh well, Numenor is gonna get sunk. But uh, I don't think you guys will will be able to call what what happens that that causes it to to sink. So I'm, I'm excited to see. You know, probably it'll probably be in 2024. Uh, and and I don't I don't think we'll see the sinking of Numenor even in in season two. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how you guys uh, craft your theories of of what happens in Numenor because Numenor has some uh, some very intriguing story beats coming up. Well, now I'm determined to predict it. Now I'm like, let's go! <laughs> like I'm gonna figure it out. Don't challenge Trent. Hey, um, I mean, I'm I'm ready to hear what you've got to say. It'll take it'll take me some time to figure to figure that out. That's for sure. <laughs> me too. Um. So the last thing, really, Hardfoot's and the Stranger, uh, and really, I think all we need to we need to mention here is that well, two things. One, the Stranger, uh, after convening with the three mysterious white wizard ladies, uh, is able to use his power and they oh episode opens and they call him sauron and then his powers awaken he uses them against them and they're like oh no it's not sauron it's the other one and uh they use the name uh istari and then my guy just lifts the staff and goes i'm good and that's it that, that was like oh, okay um but uh i'm curious how we felt about this because we had a long season of him stumbling and fumbling his words not knowing who he is what he is and all of a sudden now he has this clarity and uh we think he's good so uh what what do we think i I think it's interesting that if you take it from the approach of that he was sent to middle earth to be a force of good or to to help you know the the people of middle earth out that it isn't until he actually needs to fight against something evil that like a sense of identity and purpose mm-hmm. comes to him. Because before he's just like, I'm trying to wander the woods and read some star maps. And then it's like, no, 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 dude, like here's some evil people that you actually have to deal with. He's like, Oh, right. Like this is my, this is my deal. I think that okay. that's, that's interesting. Again, I think the show is trying to tell us that it's somebody, but I think they're hinting at it a little too hard. So I think yeah. I, I still think I I'm I'm liking my Saruman twist because because he didn't start out super sketch he got sketch by fellowship <laughs> but uh but for a couple hundred years there presumably he was doing some up and up stuff. Well, and I, I mean to be fair though I, I'm not sure 
if the show thought that the audience would believe it was actually Sauron or not. Like, I, I, I think in season one, they legitimately were trying to get us to believe that he was Sauron. Yeah, I did maybe. not for one second believe that. But... No, no, it was it was like, I was like, this dude is Gandalf or Sauron 100% from the minute he was on screen for okay. me. Yeah, yeah. How much I... you want to bet on that 100%? <laughs> not, not much. <laughs> Especially after you said it's that. It's only been one season. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see about his character. But then then we uh we end the their portion of the season with Nori leaving with him. So I mean, listen, we know the Harfoots, they're predecessors to the Hobbits. They're not supposed to be involved in any of this, right? So is this a problem, Joseph? Well, yeah, it's a problem. It means we've got another season of Harfoots coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, Nori was saying goodbye longer than the Return of the King ending. Yo, I and I was like, all right. This I dude. had a I actually had a thought watching it that was like I because they, they kept showing the stranger in the distance, his little silhouette. And I kept being like, I, what are the odds he just turns around and leaves because she was taking too long? <laughs> My man was I mean, out I, there waiting I, for so I, I long. I wish. I mean, I thought they had served their purpose. He was like, I'm going to ruin to find out who I am. And they're like, all right, dude, good luck. Here's some food. Have a good trip. Right. Um, and then Nori's like, actually, I'm going to go with you because I have so much to offer <laughs> in this adventure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, I have my own theory on who the stranger is. They are really trying to make it seem like it's Gandalf. He yeah. has a, even as kind of a paraphrase of a Gandalf quote of uh, always follow your nose. Yeah. I thought that too. Um, and I'm like, no, he's not Gandalf. Gandalf never goes East. Mm. Um, Rune is very, Rune is very far East. Um, and uh, so there's a couple of options of, of who he could be. Gandalf is the one they're, they're going for the most. Uh there is Saruman. Mm-hmm. There's Radagast. Yeah. And, you know, those are the three wizards we've seen. We've seen. Um, so uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, he's not the only wizard we're going to see in season two. Ooh. <laughs> okay. And, and, uh, we're going to find out in Rune that he is not Gandalf or Radagast or Saruman. Oh, okay. All right, Joseph. Um, so I, I've, I've got my ideas of who he is, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, another season of, of Harfoot shenanigans. So um, it's Trent to your point earlier. I, I really so like I liked I liked Nori and Poppy's relationship and and I actually I really enjoyed Nori's relationship with her father. At the end we get a little bit of payoff for that. But to be to be fair to your point earlier, like they spent the whole season just wandering around aimlessly until the stranger got his powers. And I don't think we needed that. No, I mean you 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 could just start the the Harford story with the migration, 
and, and yep. they're just walking along and then and then everything happens you know that way i i there was like all these episodes that it's like yeah you kind of want to set up how like the society of the harfoots work i guess but but there's so many episodes of them just like chatting about what they're going to do before the right. migration that i'm like we can just be on the migration can't we like right yeah and, and it's like i how much time do we really need to spend with them going forward right yeah. They're they're intentionally not supposed to be a part of the larger story. So, unless Nori decides to come back home at some point, like I, I just, it seems a little unimportant in comparison to everything else. And there's so many other things going on. Like we didn't get Durin in this episode. We didn't we didn't get uh, a Rondir or Bronwyn or Theo in this episode. So it it's it's strange to me. But mm-hmm. I I feel at least a little bit more confident that they have a direction going into season two. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, guys, I I think that's gonna do it. I think for for episodes five through eight. What you think? Yeah, I think I think we've hit all the all the big points overall. It sounds like we're all relatively positive on the show and excited to keep things going. Um, but and yeah, you know, not every every plot line has to be perfect and work all the time. Yes. That that's the nature of TV and and art in general. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes in the future. Yep. I'll uh, I'll leave you guys with three new characters I think are coming in season two. Well, one oh, of yes. them is con- one of them is confirmed to be coming in season two. That is Kirdan the shipwright, okay, the oldest elf in Middle Earth. Ooh. Season two, I think we will get some teleporno. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> and I think, in light of the situation with Isildur. We will get Anarion, the other son of Elendil. Oh. Oh. All right. I'm into that. So the, those are those are the three characters I think I'll leave you uh, thinking about. I'm into Kelly that Horn. last one. I'd really love to see that. Yeah. So so we've got Kirdan the Shipwright, Teleporno, or you can call him Celeborn. And Anarion. And Anarion was mentioned a couple of times this season. Yes, he was. Yeah, I remember so, that. Uh, so I, I think we'll I think we'll get them. Yeah, I am very excited for season two again. So I, this was I'll take this. I got to steal this one from my brother. I was talking to Jake about it because um, he was really big. He was really excited about the show in the beginning. And I think maybe the excitement wore off a little bit towards the end. Um he compared this to Mandalorian season one. He was like, you know, it was solid. It was it, it, it really engaged me. And I feel like they have set themselves up for a big season two. And if that is true, if, if we get that in season two, then I would love it. I think I right? like I, I that's what we want. That's what we're hoping for. But I thought that was a really good comparison. It we are they had to do a lot of setup because of how large the story and scope of it is and i think that going forward we're only going to be able to have have more consequential stories i can't i think we kind of have to um at, at least to me i think if you spend so much time doing setup in in the first season then then that lends itself to telling a little bit more consequential stories in the future which um i'm hopeful for so i guess we will see um but I think that's going to do it for our for our episode today, guys. Thank you so much for joining, as always.
Um, we will we will be back on the pod soon. There's still a lot of stuff we got to catch up on. Um, I think next you'll probably hear us talk about She-Hulk, and uh, just give you a little little preview. I'm very excited to talk about She-Hulk. It's great. Um, that finale. That finale was just chef's kiss. That um, finale was just fever dream of fun. <laughs> yeah, it was just wild. It was. It was incredible. So we're gonna you're gonna hear us talk about that. Um, it was an incredible She-Hulk. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I sorry. It took me a while to <laughs> for the brain to click on that one. Um. I think you might hear us talk about Black Adam. We have to we have to discuss that uh, and and see how many of us actually go see that movie. And then obviously you will hear us talk about Andor, the greatest show on television right now. I'm saying it hands down. It's good. It's it's so good. It, it's really good. It's fantastic. I can't wait to talk about it again soon. So there's a lot of good stuff coming. So make sure. You follow us wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, and then you can follow us on social media at the Stinger Pod. So, guys, thanks again for joining, and we will be back soon.